How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. We are about to continue talking cricket on the overnight crowd and very lucky to be joined once again by Paul Dennett, an award-winning cricket podcaster as part of Cricket Daily and also Cricket Unfiltered, and he joins the overnight crowd to our talk just that, cricket, uh, once again. G'day, Paul. Good evening, Ed. How you going, mate? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. Uh, thank you for the time once again. Uh, I understand uh, your uh, faithful uh, companion on the podcast is uh, not going too well at the moment, a little bit under the weather. Yeah, Manners has got uh, picked up COVID, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and um, it's um, not not too bad. But I think um, his voice has been suffering the most. So we actually did a podcast tonight, and he wasn't on it. I think it's the only the second time <laughs> in about eight years he started the show, or nine years that he wasn't on there. Oh, um, wow. So. Yeah, so of all the things for Menace to lose, his voice is probably the worst. But I think he's, I think he'll be back um, next week. So okay. He'll be okay. Well, we uh, send out uh, our best uh, to him from the overnight crowd, and uh, hopefully it's a uh, quick recovery. But, uh, Paul, the uh, Women's Ashes has been a cracking series, mate, and we've seen it decided in the first one day. It took three attempts in the end for the Australian women to get that last wicket, but as dominant mm-hmm. performance as we've witnessed across the rest of our cricket summer, do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the, the fact that two of the T20s were rained out uh, probably uh, robbed it, robbed them of a bit of momentum. And I mean, the, the, the Test match, obviously, England played a lot better than the England men did, and um, it was, I think, unquestionably the most entertaining um, Test match of the summer. And I've been telling anyone who'd listen that if, uh, now that they've been given decent pitches, it's the sort of thing I'd love to see a five-test series in, in future. Uh, this one day was. I, I thought that um, Australia did pretty well to, to get up to 205. That when I fought for 70 odd, England were right on top. But um, Beth Mooney was just too good and got 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 away. And I was surprised that at the innings break, uh, the consensus was that England was going to win. I thought that Australia deserved to be favourites. And yeah, they were kind of uh, always uh, just ahead of the game. And um, it was a bit of a controversial moment. I think it was probably a turning point when. Um, the waist high full toss decision was, mm. was made in Australia's favour. And I think that um, it was a bit weird watching the, the third umpire go about it where um, with the, they've got ball tracking available, you know, the most sophisticated thing in all sport. And we had this crazy situation of you could see the umpire replaying, the, you know, rocking and rolling it. And you could basically imagine them drawing a line with their eye trying to determine whether or not the ball would have passed above or below the waist. And obviously, they're, they're obviously not allowed to use um, Hawkeye for that, but I think that's something they should change. And I think English fans would have thought that maybe if um, if that had been given a no ball, then they may have gone on to win it, or it certainly would have been a lot tighter. With uh, the uh, conclusion of the test, um, with it you know being the four days, we lost the majority of day three to rain, which uh, brought us that exciting finish at the end. Does it make any points, or does it gain any points, uh, do you think, in people's minds of making a case for four-day tests uh, elsewhere, not just in women's, like also in men's cricket, or a case for just more test cricket within uh, women's uh, cricket, with them none being on the calendar upcoming at the moment? Well, for the first, I think that um, it, it, the only way I would ever support four-day test cricket for for the men would be if they could get over, over rates really fixed up and maybe even play a little bit longer each day. Because I think at the moment, nominally, it's meant to be a 540-over game. 
if you're going to 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 um to, to four days, you're going to be getting um sorry, not not five hundred and forty, four hundred and fifty. Um, <laughs> four hundred and fifty over game. <laughs> um back in the day a six six day test. Yeah. Um but um if you're gonna to get too much less than that, then I think that is that is not ideal. If they could get over rates right, then I, I certainly do understand the the appeal of four day tests that they could basically always start on the Thursday and finish on a Sunday like a golf major and you know, a lot of things do make sense, but oh, I can't really support it. And as far as um uh the fact that people are saying, well, this is because there wasn't the fifth day, we got this extra exciting finish. Yeah, but I think that's kind of more luck than than any sort of thing in favour of the four days. I think more often than not, we're, we're, we're robbed of a great finish in the women's test when it's only four days. And mm. even this one, if it had been a fifth day, I still think it would have been a great conclusion. It would have probably just ebbed into the final morning and we would have got a result um, one way or the other. Uh, certainly, as far as um, more test cricket, uh, I'd love to see more test cricket played. As I said, more, more women's test cricket would be fantastic. Let's uh, talk a couple of the uh, players who have been performing uh, real nicely and uh, gearing up for a big World Cup. Darcy Brown, just 18 years old, and what a fourth over that she delivered. Uh, had Beaumont caught it slip and then traps Knight Plum in front first egg. Just another cracking talent from uh, what is a super deep talent pool. Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible. And that, that second LBW is one of my favourite things. Is an absolutely stone-dead plum LBW. And it was just... Um, there's just something exquisite about it. That was just um, one of the plummest I've seen in, in a long time. And then she, she took a vital wicket later on as well. That uh, England just kind of... Like, the Australians couldn't seem to knock them out. And when, when while Nat Sever was out there, they always had a chance. And then she took a really good court and bowl to, to, to finish her off as well. And you know, as people are saying on social media, fast bowlers are nowhere near their best at 18. So you think of the <laughs> potential improvement that she still has. It's uh, She's a very exciting prospect. Talia McGrath uh, becoming possibly one of the most consistent cricketers in the world, uh, but, you know, not just on the women's cricketing landscape. We're getting close to the point of expecting a 30 or 40 run performance and two wickets, uh, not to mention the great fielding that uh, comes in the Talia McGrath package. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, she did get a few runs in this game, but not as many as, as, as in others. But all summer, um, you know, she's been so reliable for Australia and um, with, a, with an ability to score very, very quickly. And just, you know, her bowling, um, to, to sort of kind of keep Elise Perry out of um, mm. the attack. Elise Perry bowled five overs, very serviceable overs. But I think it had McGrath not bowled so well, she probably would have bowled a bit more. But yeah, McGrath taking two important wickets. Um, as you said, the, the depth of talent in Australian women's cricket is uh, phenomenal. Uh, Megan Schutt gets to 100 wickets after being stuck on 99 for eight months. Uh, in doing so, she's become the second fastest woman to reach the 100-wicket milestone behind uh, a pretty big name here, the Aussie legend Catherine Fitzpatrick, who took uh, 64 matches to get to the figure. Yes, um, first person I ever interviewed was Megan Schutt, so I've always oh, wow. had a soft spot for, for her, yeah, many a few years ago now. Um, but... Um, and um, also, she kind of, in a, a nice kind of friendly sort of way, was um, a little bit dismissive of, um, of the England side that made the, the point that the Australians collapsed under the pressure, and she indicated that she found that a little bit ironic, I think, was her quote, given that um, you could say that England really collapsed under the pressure in the Test match and squandered an opportunity to win, and um, she basically said, we feel like we can put the pressure on England any time. So nice to see a bit of... Um, um, a little bit of uh, spiciness in, in comments around the women's game. 
The World Cup is upcoming. Uh, extra good news uh, that we touched on last time we caught up, Paul, is that it'll be removed from behind a paywall so people can watch along. Uh, it's on its way from New Zealand, and you can't help but feel excited for the team's chances given the performance we're talking of uh, that we've seen of late and also that talent pool that we also touched on. Yes, and there's um, you know, plenty to play for because you just sort of think Australia win every tournament. But the, the last World Cup... The four years ago, I was, I was listening um, to uh, Alex Blackwell talking about how um, disappointed she was that Australia lost the semi-final of that, and that robbed them of an opportunity to play in the final in front of a full house at Lords, which, until the MCG final of the the T20 World Cup, was probably the greatest moment, um, you know, the greatest occasion in the history of women's cricket. So they felt pretty disappointed to be um, not in that. Uh, obviously, they go into every tournament um, as strong favourites, and I, you know. Uh, certainly do expect them to win. Um, it is great that KO are going to show it um, to, you know, on freebie so you don't have to actually um, pay for it. But it is still disappointing to me that it's not going to be um, on an actual free-to-air television network because mm. there's so many casual fans still, um, you know, there's, uh, there's plenty of streaming and there's plenty of other ways of consuming television these days, but there's a percentage of people who just click on the television and, you know, it's on Channel 9 or Channel 7 or whatever, so even if it had been on Jam, I think that that would have been many hundreds of thousands extra who would have watched it. And I don't understand why they don't want to have it because I think that the ratings for the Test match were fantastic. And I think that you know, Australia's playing England um, in the opening uh, game of the of the World Cup. I, I can't imagine that would rate anything other than fantastically. Yeah, I agree with that one. Uh, all right, we've uh, sort of avoided it a little bit, Paul. Uh, when uh, we were getting you lined up to uh, jump on the program tonight, we knew what you said. There's only one thing that people want to be talking about, but I buried it just that little bit. But it's continued on. I said earlier, once we got past lunchtime on the East Coast, we weren't getting a decision today. The Justin Langer Cricket Australia Board saga, Tom Morris, Malcolm Conn, agendas, players v coaches, it's been a week, and I'm not sure that I'm any closer to understanding which way it will go, Paul. No. Um, what a day. <laughs> Everyone was saying that today would surely be the day that they would make an announcement, and maybe they intended to, but an eight-hour um, meeting, what kind of meeting is that? Um, gosh, I, I do hope that it leaks like all the other things <laughs> seem to, because I want to know what went on. But, um I'm eagerly awaiting um, the various different journalists with their sources. Hopefully they're on the phone to them right now so we can find out what went on in this um, uh, eight-hour marathon meeting. Um, I suppose, uh, and I'm reluctant to be, put any predictions out there because it's, it's very difficult, but I, I suppose it's a good sign for, for, for Justin Langer that, that they're still going to be in talks with him um, because... I, I must admit, I tended to think that maybe today the announcement would have come that and they've decided not to renew his contract. So uh, the fact that they they said that they're going to be in talks with him is is probably a, a good sign for, for Justin Langer fans, I would have thought. Well, the statement, yeah, it was a must-read, was it not? Uh, entering into confidential discussions with Justin Langer. Outcome announced ASAP, but uh, no further comment. Till then was the flavour and the wrap of the very short statement. I just... I don't know if they're worried about perception at all, but this reads poorly as uh, the comments that players, uh, you know, Pat Cummins and stuff have made has uh, also been heard and read poorly, I think. I think so. Um, but I, I think that they are looking at the bigger picture and I think that they're thinking, well, wait a minute, um, the players seemingly don't want him to continue, but if we get rid of him, that's going to be sort of on us. And all the ex-players want him to stay... The public seems uh, more likely to want him to stay than not. And crucially, he's had this great run of success over the last six months. 
And in the following months, the odds are, hopefully I'm wrong, but the odds are that Australia won't have that same level of success. We're touring Pakistan. Um, we've got a tour of Sri Lanka. Um, further down the track, we're touring India. We, you know, we have not won in um, any of those away tours uh, for, a, for a fair bit of time. Uh, and in between, we've got the World Cup here where unless we win that, then that's a disappointment as well. Even, you know, we get to the final and lose it. That's no good because we won the last one away. So the, the, the big chance is that people are going to say in six months' time, um, geez, Australia hasn't done so well. Why did these clowns get rid of Dustin Langer? And so then they, they come back and think, well, but the players really don't want him. So if we, if we keep him, they're not going to be happy. So they've done what, you know, so many of us do. They've procrastinated and they've kicked the can down the road and they continue to do so. So he's got us to the T20 World Cup for the first time. Uh, Ashes series wins, uh, as uh, one of our callers earlier tonight said, uh, Adrian, respect earned back. It uh, feels like if there was a parting of ways coming, it'd be getting done uh, very differently, even if it was against his wishes. But Pat Cummins' comments, and I know it's not really his job to back in or call out everything he sees and feels, but at this point of the game, as we were saying, I think he has to know how it all looks and sounds by now and the numerous opportunities he's had to say even something positive that would make you feel like it's going that way but we continue to get the straight bat and i think that um seems to be indicative of the players position that they um they do seem to want a parting of the ways um i thought it was it was unfortunate the way that it's um that it's panned out for, for justin langer especially but also for pat cummins that he had um, what seems to be a pretty laudable initiative of um, solar power at cricket grounds and uh, taking a leading position on on climate change, which is to which is good. But of course, that's going to be uh, lost in the fact that everyone wants to talk about the Justin Langer situation. Then the fact that he went on Sunrise, um, the Channel Seven program this morning, and uh, you know, again, uh, presumably to talk about the good things that he's doing, but it's just going to be lost and and. It, after the interview, I think that the one of the hosts said he'd make a good politician, and that's a bit of a pity that someone is, you know, he's got such rave reviews for everything he's done as captain that he's in the position where he's making answers that are being compared to a, a politician. And, and you know, Australians famously, we're not all that enamoured of our politicians generally, so that's a bit disappointing. And it, yeah, it just confirms. I mean, Marcus North sent out a tweet just after this saying words to the effect of. A, um, can't believe this has been allowed to go so long. And yeah. I think everyone feels that way. Yeah, we're a fickle bunch, aren't we? Uh, you know, love Pat for a minute, and then it's just like, oh, he's just like one of those politicians. We don't want to hear anything he has to say. But uh, one more before we head to a break, Paul, on the overnight crowd. The Pakistan tour was endorsed, which means it's all green lights for the 24-year wait to finish. Three tests, three one-dayers, and a T20. Uh, I don't know if you've caught any of the uh, PSL, but that's been looking great. It's just been adding to my excitement levels for the tour, which were already pretty over the top, to be honest. Mine too. Um, you know, uh, the, I remember that 98 tour and, um, seems so long ago because it is. Um, Mark Taylor got the three, 334. I think in that same game, um, Justin Langer's test career was saved because he was out plum LBW. And I think it might have been Steve Bucknor who, for whatever reason, just gave him not out. And Langer talks about it in his autobiography that he had this sort of like, uh, life changing moment as he was waiting for the finger to go up and then it didn't. And then he went on got a hundred, and um, you know his career was resurrected. He went on to do um, amazing things. So yeah, it's it's great to be going back to Pakistan. And um, I, I thought that the comments that Jeff Lawson made about it were very interesting. He was obviously former coach of Pakistan, but he said it's actually possible that Pakistanis love their cricket even more than Indians do. <laughs> and he said that's a massive statement. 
Um, but yeah, um, I, I spent a lot of time on, on cricket Twitter, as it were, and I've got I've had lots and lots of interactions with people from Pakistan, and certainly, yeah, it is line ball as to, to which country loves cricket more. So um, to have been not in a country of what is it, 200 million people, one of the biggest countries in the world for all those years, it is really exciting uh, that we're going back there. I just hope that they do produce sort of fast, bouncy wickets, which mm. they have been doing in their domestic scene, because then it will be a cracking match, a cracking series, given how good their fast bowlers are and how good our fast bowlers are as well. Oh, I cannot wait. And we're uh, just under, well, just over a month away from it uh, rolling around. And we are watching along with the Australian under-19s. They're in action in the third versus fourth playoff against Afghanistan. And, uh, well, young Saltzman's come on and uh, absolutely torn a hole in the uh, start of the Afghanistan batting lineup. He's gone two for none across uh, his two overs. Uh, he's <laughs> jagged one back into the off stump very nicely and uh, also picked up another wicket. So Australia looking okay early doors uh, of this match, but uh, let's get back and keep talking a bit more cricket with Paul Dennett, the award-winning cricket podcaster on uh, the overnight crowd and turn our attention to uh, the big bash league, uh, Paul. And uh, Sean Marsh has uh, signed on for another two years with the Renegades, which will push him past uh, 40 years of age uh, in the league. He's the sixth uh, leading run scorer in the Big Bash League, which you'd never sneeze at signing, but the talk and the noise around the Renegades at the end of BBL 11 was that change was needed, and the names that they have retained uh, for 12 and 13 in the upcoming edition, there's a big chance that more of the same is coming from the Renegades. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I, I feel happy for Sean Marsh, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a great new way that cricket has evolved that it wasn't that long ago that once your international career was over there wasn't all that much incentive to mm. stick around playing um, domestically so I think it's great that these players um, uh, continue to play and into into later years and yeah I take your point but I suppose uh, he has been such a good player and he, I, I still think he's you know, he's had a bit of an injury trouble uh, a bit of injury trouble this season with his calf but I, I still think he's a very good big bash player so if I was the Renegades, I wouldn't pass up the opportunity to sign him. But what's it been now? Three seasons in a row where they finished in the bottom. So, yeah, things do need to change. But you know, I can certainly see him still having um, very successful uh, a very successful couple of years as he reaches 40. Sheffield Shield and Marsh Cup fixtures have been announced. And the Test players who aren't picked for the upcoming T20 series against Sri Lanka will get a single Sheffield Shield match to prepare for the upcoming Pakistan tour. Uh, do you think that's enough time, Paul? Um, probably not, but I think that that's just the that's just the modern the modern way, and it's exacerbated by COVID. And really, what they need most is uh, preparation in Pakistan conditions. And I, I said before the break that hopefully they produce um, some fast pitches, but it's it's hard to know what they will produce. I mean, you think of spin when you think of the subcontinent, but I know that um, Pakistan has has, uh, has gone the other way in recent years. So if you if I had my way, they'd be uh, spending as much time as possible in Pakistan ahead of it. But, you know, um, one red ball game is, is, is certainly better than nothing. And the modern-day players, they're, they're used to chopping and changing all the time. So with everything going on, as you mentioned, like the pandemic, uh, it means that teams will play an uneven number of matches this season. Uh, ladder positions will be determined by average points per game. I'm not sure I could think of uh, many other ways of uh, doing it to determine who would go through to a final, but uh, what are your thoughts on this move to uh, have an average points per game system? Yeah, I think it's pragmatic. I think it's the right thing to do. And, um, uh, I, you know, it's, <laughs> the challenges have been immense and... If they can get this this proposed season up as, as it's as it's planned, 
Yes, it's not ideal. I mean, the fact that New South Wales and Victoria will have played each other three times and that various different states will have played slightly different numbers of games. But I think that's OK. There are precedents for it as well. Um, when Western Australia first came in, in the, just after the Second World War, I think that um, travel costs were so prohibitive, they only played um, a half suite of matches. So they played half as many games as everyone else. And um, there was no final back then. And they won the Shield, I think, in their first season, even though they probably had the lowest number of points because they had to double their points because they only played half the game. So, you know... Right. <laughs> The Shield's done some strange things in the past as well. I don't mind that one, uh, being a uh, West Australian. But uh, speaking of <laughs> WA, the WA border complication, it being in an ongoing basis, WA's next match won't be until March 15th. But the good news is, if we all behave ourselves and are good kids, we get Sheffield Shield cricket back in WA versus Victoria on March 23rd. Or at least that's the plan for now. Yes, and, you know, the, the pandemic has taught us that you just, you just don't know what's around the corner. You've got to make these plans, and uh, hopefully, they, hopefully they come off. Um, I'm, I'm excited with the, the resumption of the Shield, um, especially that um, Will Pekowski is going to be taking part in Victoria's first match. I think that's really exciting. I'm a big fan, and I hope that he can get some runs. And, uh, you know, Australia's 11 seems pretty settled, or at least, at least our... Um, 11 would be very settled for the test side if we're going to play the next game in Australian conditions. Playing overseas might make a few changes there, but if he can put even more pressure on some of the incumbents, that, that'd be great. Well, I wanted to mention uh, about Will Pukowski uh, on the back of those Sheffield Shield matches being announced. He will return for Victoria. It's the first time in 398 days when Victoria will take on South Australia on Wednesday. He's played three matches for his Premier League side, but this is a big step up. And as you said, Paul, a lot of us are very excited to see him back out there. Yeah, I saw that. He got a, like a 30 and a 40, um, so he's obviously in some sort of form. It is a big step up, but he just does look like he's got um, uh, class. And I, I just think that everyone who follows cricket and has followed his story has, is, is sort of um, cheering him on that to have had so many concussions and you know other challenges as well. And then apart from everything else, to, to finally make his test debut, get a decent 60 and then... Um, injure himself in the field um, and then for that injury um, to his shoulder to turn out to be uh, worse than expected. It's just like he's he's been uh, dogged by cruel luck, yeah. but uh, he can look to, he look to his captain to, for inspiration. But for a while there, Pat Cummins looked like he was never going to um, have any sort of semblance of test career, and all of a sudden he's had half a decade of um, brilliant performance. He's now got a, a record that's possibly going to be better than Glenn McGrath's, and he's the Australian captain. So um, if Pekovsky can do half as well, that'd be great. All right, uh, let's uh, finish off with uh, something that we're not uh, rejoicing in and we're not, you know, celebrating or anything like that, you know, other people's misery, but it had to happen, didn't it? The talk of the tour from hell, the bad behaviour, the lack of performances. We've seen the coach, Chris Silverwood, and the director of cricket, Ashley Giles, out of England cricket. About time, in your opinion, Paul? Yeah, I think so. Um, and they've just also announced that Graham Thorpe, the batting coach, has gone as well, oh. um, which was... Kind of um, up until that announcement, people have been saying, "How's he? How's he surviving?" <laughs> so they've um, <laughs> they've ticked that box as well. Um, and I think people from England can't imagine how you know that. How is it that our coach is almost on the verge of being sacked as well, given the massive disparity in the in the results? But yes, Silverwood, by all accounts, uh, was a very popular figure. But I just think that just that um, the the things that, that they did poorly. Have to lie at the feet of the coach during this series. The, the 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 winning the toss and batting in Brisbane, the poor team selection, things like just the the, the fast bowlers bowling no balls throughout the season. Um, that's something that 
Um, I just, you know, the coach has to do better than that. And um, it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. Andrew Strauss is um, sort of involved at the moment, but I was just reading then how he's saying that it wants, he wants it to be a short-term thing still. He wants to go back to looking after his two sons and he'll, you know, he'll help out where he can, but it's not going to be a, a long-term um, thing. He also didn't rule out uh, the prospect of signing Justin Langer if, if Australia do let him go. Um, so, yeah, that I mean, that's, that would be one of the most amazing turnarounds because uh, Rod Marsh did it. He didn't coach, but he was became director of cricket over there in England for a few years. And he was kind of like, you know, the most Australian of all Australians. I think, what's Rod Marsh doing um, helping out England? Well, Langer might even take a new level. Like, you know, um, I'm not sure if he'd actually do it because he is so proudly Australian. But, gosh, if Cricket Australia let me go after this um, and England came knocking, I'd be on the next plane over there. Most certainly. Uh, yeah, as you're saying, uh, it's England clean house. Uh, just been wondering, you know, who could be next. But as you said, Justin Langer keeps getting shouted out. But I saw Kevin Peterson replying to a tweet about his thoughts on taking the role. But, I mean, have we learned nothing from the Eddie Jones situation where we let him go over, take control of the English rugby team, and we haven't had a look in? And, well, I mean, we're getting probably close to seven or eight years now, I think, that he's been in charge. I think we could be headed towards a similar sort of situation here if we are to say, see you, JL, thanks for the... Uh, the good times, but uh, there's no job for you here, mate. Yeah, it'd be quite sobering if he went over there and they won the next three World Cups. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of ashes. Um, well, yeah, Eddie Jones is, um, yeah, he was kicked out because we were used to winning in rugby back then. We won yeah. the 99 World Cup and then 2003, he could only coach us to a, um, a last minute defeat in the final, which, <laughs> um, considering whatever what has followed since, was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, you might have a point. Yeah, uh, those were the good days uh, that we used to uh, get to those sorts of finals in Rugby Union, but uh, those times are gone for the moment, but we'll uh, wait and see how uh, this does play out. Uh, just you know, asking on how you're feeling about uh, the news coming out this weekend, do you believe we'll maybe get a decision across the weekend, or is this a next week sort of job, do you think? I've got no idea. I mean, yeah. uh, it, it seems like that they're going to be in discussions um, with like, confidential discussions as well, so they're not going to be leaked. Apparently, well, um, <laughs> so um, I, look, I, I I can't think it can linger too much longer. Um, certainly, maybe Monday or Tuesday at the latest. You would hope because it's it's gone for far too long. It'd be great if they could do it on the weekend, but if it lingers any longer than that, it, I mean, it's already farcical. Um, I don't know what the next adjective is to describe it. <laughs> Paul, thank you so much for the time to talk cricket on the Overnight Crowd. We really appreciate the help, mate. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Fantastic. Thanks, Peter. That is Paul Dennis, the award-winning podcaster as part of Cricket Daily and also Cricket Unfiltered. So uh, if you missed uh, Off the Top, uh, we gave a quick shout-out to uh, his podcasting partner in Andrew Menzel, who's uh, unfortunately under the weather with COVID at the moment. So, uh, yeah, our thoughts and wishes are with Manners on a uh, quick recovery. And uh, thanks once again to Paul Dennett for uh, giving up his time and his wisdom. He's uh, very generous with both on the overnight crowd. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.